honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Strange on Purpose is a show hosted by misfits, entrepreneurs, and creatives. We interview some of the top minds on the planet, highlighting their stories, accomplishments, and deliver it to you in an actionable audio experience. This series is for the humans that don't mind going against the grain in order to achieve their goals. For the people that see the world differently and understand that there are lessons all around us. It's for the misfits, the rebels, the go-getters, and the people that are growing on purpose. You're listening to the Strange on Purpose podcast. This week we had Rebecca Heideprem, who's just an incredible business coach. I've um, talked to a lot of her clients and she's just absolutely transformed their business. So I'm super excited to dive into like just business and okay, how do I take this venture to the next level? So hope you enjoy the episode. And again, if you do like what you hear, if you could leave us a review on iTunes, that would be rad. Um, That would make us happy. But again, I hope you like what you hear. Here's the episode. Super excited about this episode. I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on this strange on purpose podcast. I'm about to get weird. I'm always weird. You know that, but thank you. <laughs> I I'm do excited. know that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I say that with every guest and they always say the same thing. Yes, you're weird. <laughs> but a good weird. Yeah, thank An interesting you. weird. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I want to... I'm specifically excited about this one because of the business aspect. And a lot of the guests that we have are uber creative or like uber like entrepreneurial, like, yeah, like I quit my job. Um, this is where I am. This is where I got here. But I really want to dive into like the tactical, like, okay, this is how I take my business to the next level. Um, and what you do specifically, like, can you enter that before like we dive into that so people know like what you do, who you are? Sure. Take it away. Yeah. I'm a business coach. So I basically do three things. I help entrepreneurs grow their teams talent-wise. I help them grow their company from a revenue perspective, right? I help them with networking and connectivity, and I help, help them get more time away from their business. Mm. And you're good at it. Thank you. I, w- I was just having a conversation, um, and I was like, I don't remember, maybe it was with you, actually, and I was like, okay, like I'm 25, and I know other 25-year-old business coaches, which is just mind-boggling to me, not to put an age on like value and knowledge or anything like that, but I can never imagine teaching somebody how to build a business, even if like my company is doing all right, right? Like we're, we're growing, right? We're doing okay. Like I could never imagine that. Like you have so much experience and you're really good at it. And I've seen like your clients and their work and you're making waves. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's great to hear because I do have 32 years in corporate America. But what was interesting to me, Q, is when I left and I started a company with a fellow executive coach, I thought I knew it all. I call that I know it syndrome. Mm. And I didn't have to do the things that I didn't want to when I was in corporate America. And it was my business. And that was really stupid. You know, it's stupid. And sometimes people say to me, they ask me the question, how do you coach stupid? (laughs) Well, you don't. Because stupid is there. They have I know it syndrome, right? Or they're just not interested in growing their business. Mm. They're very comfortable now I have a saying that I like, which is I'm uncomfortable being comfortable 
because I know there's so much more. But so many people out there want to be comfortable and not grow their business. Yeah. What, do you, what would you say to those people? Well, I think they have to be self-aware. And I think they've got to ask people around them uh, and get feedback, because I think that's really critical. Um, but you can't coach stupid, because stupid doesn't come to you. I dig that. And I, I do want to dive into the more, more of the tactical side. But before that, um, can you talk to me a little bit about that transition from corporate to entrepreneurship? Like, how did it happen? How did you end up where you are now? Yeah, so I spent 20 years with Xerox Corporation, and they basically moved me all over the country to turn around departments, divisions. Mm. And I ended up in Wisconsin, which was exciting because part, two parts of the company were coming together, and it gave me that opportunity to manage both. And so I had Wisconsin, Iowa, and I had several managers working for me. And then uh, the governor of the state asked me to be the first ever cabinet-level secretary for IT because the legislature had just enacted a law for that, really making mm -hmm. it look like Wisconsin was forward-thinking with IT, which was a very smart thing to do. But unfortunately, when he was running for election, because he took over for Tommy Thompson, Scott McCallum in the day, um, the next person that was campaigning against him was Doyle, uh, looked at that as new bureaucracy and really campaigned on that. So obviously when Doyle won, he had to take away that yeah. department and put it back under the Department of Administration. So I was the first ever and last IT CIO, cabinet level in the state. So I did that, and then I went to um, DHL Express and Cisco Systems. And then uh, a top executive coach in town said, I'm really wanting to start a sister company to my coaching business, which would really be focused on management and leadership. And I want you to do that. So that was my first dive into entrepreneurship. But again, mm -hmm. I knew everything. So funny story is the first thing I said is to my partner, I hate networking. I'm not doing it. And she said, I hate it too. So here we go. Pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Not smart. Yeah. Yeah, we realized that. It was an expensive lesson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. It's a big part of what we do. Like, right. Huge, huge part of what we do, I think, for every entrepreneur. Um, that's fascinating. And into the coaching, like what did that, what did that transition look like? Yeah, so um, my partner retired, and so I did this gig on my own for a while and said, you know, I, I really want a team around me again. And mm -hmm. so one of my friends said, um, there's a coaching firm in town, and they're actually looking for new coaches. So I interviewed with them and um, became one of their coaches in the firm. And then after about three years said, I, you know, I want to start applying the lessons that I teach entrepreneurs to myself and my own business. So that's, that's part of why I broke off. That was about two years ago. Do you have a coach yourself? I do. Yeah. Yes, I absolutely do. Everyone needs a coach. Why is there such like, what's the word? Like we look at it so negatively, even though like we have coaches our entire lives, like yeah. preschool, like kindergarten, like high school, like sports, like um, there, like all these coaches in our entire life. But when it comes to business and adulthood, we have yeah. to have everything all figured out. Like what are the benefits of having a coach and um, why did you choose to have one yourself? Well, I'm going to answer your initial question and that's kind of that negative stigma. Mm -hmm. And I think people, when they say, oh, I have a 
a coach, a business coach, that insinuates that you need help yeah. in a negative way. Um, but the, the reality is everyone needs a coach because you're, it's like you're in the middle of it all. You're in the picture frame. You can't see the little mistakes you might be making or what you're not paying attention to because yeah. you're so in the middle of it. So a coach helps step back and they can watch and see what you're doing right, what you could do better, what you're doing wrong. And so that's why I think everyone needs a coach. And sometimes you just need to talk to someone about some issue that's going on in your business. And we always want to say, am I normal? <laughs> is this right? And that's a coach is great for that. Yeah, no, I would agree. Can you talk to me a little bit about those, those normal, like what, what are some common issues that you see in the companies that you're working with? Where do you want Common to start? Ones. Wherever, wherever. <laughs> I know we have a lot. <laughs> um, well, I think hiring yeah. um, and development of people. I think people are the most important asset of an organization. And especially with entrepreneurs, they tend to hire friends. Mm. And then when friends don't work out or disappoint, I think that's really hard. It's hard to let go of people that that have a history with you um, and maybe they're not the best for the organization. And that's really difficult to get someone to see that, agree to it, and actually take the steps. What are those steps? Like, I know that's so hard for a lot of people. Like, even if they're not a friend, just someone that has invested in your business, like, what are those steps? Well, I think the first thing is that they have to be a coach to that person. Mm. And they have to step back and make sure that they've got a job description that's really clear, mm. that they've got goals that they're asking this person to attain, that they're helping them with the steps to attain them, and they're holding, holding them accountable. And I think that's the hardest part, yeah. is holding someone accountable that is a really good friend, or maybe started the business with you. And what happens is they think it's going to be really negative when they let that person go, but what happens is the rest of the team usually comes to the owner and says, oh, my God, it's about time. Because yeah. that's a really good message to them to say, you know, I'm not going I'm, I'm to tolerate that because you get what you tolerate. I would agree. And I, I see it a lot with, like I was just talking to um, a founder of an agency here, and they've grown really fast. Um, I'm sorry, not an original founder. They are now like, in a higher position, high-level C-suite in that company, but not an original founder. And they took over from these founders, and there was a lot of issues, and they had to let go of a lot of people because uh, they were just hired because they were friends. Yeah. They didn't have a clear job description. They took over for people, and they realized, wow, like I just took over, but they weren't doing anything. You know? So I'd, I would agree on that clarity aspect and being accountable, holding that person <clears throat> accountable and being a coach. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just it's not talked about enough, especially for young entrepreneurs. Yeah. Like, when I first started hiring, I'm like, okay, like, this is what I need done. Like, can you do it? Okay, cool, go do it. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, having that clarity. I like yeah. that. Yeah, and the other thing that I see is, especially small businesses, they don't have a business plan. And you really need clarity on where you're going and where you want yeah. to take the company, especially for people that are coming on board with you. Because they want that inspiration to see, oh, this is the journey that I'm going on. Mm. So is that something you show to those employees, or is it just something you verbalize? Um, I work with them on a business plan on all the different aspects of it. 
I mean, rather, is it something that the founder should show their employees? Hey, this is where we're going, or is it just something you verbalize? Aspects of it they should. Yeah. Sure. The 10-year plan, um, core values, I think it's important to establish those with the whole team. Mm. So they're the teams and the owner's core value. It's interesting. I had a client at one point in time that um, said, I want you to help me with the business plan, and I want you to help me with core values, and I'm bringing the team in. And I said, great. And she said... Um, but don't worry about core values, actually, because actually we've got them. Hmm. But all these other things we really need to do. And I said, okay. And I knew deep down that mm, probably not. So the team came in and worked through things, and we got to the core values piece of it. And I said, well, we're going to skip these because you have them. You're on, they're on the wall. And the team stopped me and said, no, we don't. Those are hers. They're not ours. I'm really driven, and that's mine. And I don't see that in our core values. Mm. So we stepped back and spent you know, two to three hours working on core values that were the teams. So I think that's really important. I was just going to ask you, because I know <clears throat> a lot of like, pushback that I've seen on that topic is, hey, like, this is my company. This is my business. Like, this employee might not be here in five years. Why would I want them to be a part of like, that, that core value um, yeah, why would I want them to be a part of that core value process when they might not be here a year from now? Like, what would you say to those entrepreneurs? I think that's it's really important to retain them. Hopefully, they mm-hmm. will be here in a year. That would be the goal. Yeah. But that's not to say that you don't change core values if the whole group changes. Yeah. That's okay because you want to always make sure that they're the groups and that they're all together working on something and being inspired to do that. I, I like that. Um, when I first met you, you talked about something. I think it's be, do, have, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember a while back, like right before I quit my full-time job, I read a book, um, You're a Badass by Jen Sincero. Yeah, I love and that book. In there, she talks about basically how the law of attraction won't work unless you do. Um, why do you think it's so important to like get clear on, okay, this is who I want to be. This is what I want to have. This is what I should be doing to become that person to have those things. Why do you think it's so clear to, again, attract those things that you want? Well, I think it's important to start out with what you want, mm. what you want to have, right? And because doing drives what you have. So I kind of do it backwards and say, you got to start with, these are all the things I want to have, which is what you know, yeah. a dream board usually has, right? And the do before that is, what are all the experiences in life? Life is too short. It's an adventure, right? It's too short. And so what are all the things that you want to do? Yeah. And they can be anything from leading a nonprofit to traveling the world, you know, anything that you really want to leave the world doing. And then, then you have to say, well, what's the mentality that drives the do so that I can do and then have? And so I usually coach people on how do you change the B, B-E. Mm-hmm. How do you change that? And you change it through books, like you're a badass. You change it through coaching. You change it through experiences. All of that learning and getting self-aware helps drive that B. Yeah. Setting goals. Yeah. That's interesting. I remember, like, one, like, a lot of people think it's bullshit, like, visualization and dream boards and things like that. And I remember, like, I literally, like, I just posted a video on this, like, three years ago. Like, tomorrow, I think, um, I was in my first 
official like full-time job after college first official full-time job i hated it like i was upset like the video was like oh my god this is the worst day of my life i don't feel like i'm working towards my goals like terrible and then i remember like encountering this guy i think he was a homeless guy just he's like um, hey like do you own this company it's a multi-million dollar company it's like i said yeah for whatever reason I'm like yeah 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 i do and he believed me in that like internally just made like hmm. this like crazy shift i'm like wow if this stranger can believe in me and believes that i own this multi-million dollar company why am i not believing that and from there like record all these videos walking along like the the lakefront walking along the river and um, talking about this life that i wanted to live in for the most part i live exactly that life and now like i want completely different things but i live that life and i, I was talking about it. i was manifesting without even like yeah. realizing it and all of these successful people talk about those things yet the people that don't have the life they want think it's bullshit and it's just so fascinating to me yeah. because just the fact that you know what you want makes it so much easier to get there which i don't i don't i don't know i don't get why more people don't do that they don't yeah. go after those things they, i would say one of the things that people say i help them with most in coaching is helping them think bigger mm. and you know we do quarterly goal setting and annual goal setting i'll look at them and say uh no come on why do people set the goals that they do? Like, why are they so small? I think they want, I think they want to be able to achieve them mm. in a comfortable way. They don't want to be taken out of their comfort zone. And really, they don't want to fail. And if they don't reach a goal, I think they look at that as failing. But I look at it as a set them big. And if you get three quarters of the way there, you're a lot farther yeah. than if you set a tiny goal. What's the difference between setting a big goal that like, hey, like we should push this, we're worth this number versus, hey, I'm going to charge $10,000 even though I'm actually only worth 2000 Like, what's the difference? Like, how do you know what you're actually worth? How do you know what you should be charging? How do you know what that goal actually should be? Well, I think you set the big goal a little farther out, but you have to be realistic. Mm. You've got to start acquiring clients at a certain level. You can't just jump from... You know, I'm $100 an hour to 2000 You can't do that, I don't think. I think you've got to start smaller with the what you're charging, but still a good dollar amount. And then as you bring on new clients, you just keep raising that fee a little more, a little. And then you're all of a sudden, you have a really great hourly rate. In your experience, and maybe in like what you advise clients and what you've seen your clients do. How do you go about having that conversation with, hey, like we're raising our rates now. Um, pay us more. It's really hard for me. Yeah. Especially when you've got clients that you had for a while. Mm. Um, but I think the easiest thing to do in that scenario is every time you bring on a new client, then you start raising your rates. And if you're uncomfortable raising them with clients that you've had for a while, which you have to do, you do have to do that, um, then instead add services. Mm -hmm. So you're still raising the rate, but maybe that you're bringing in a book club or a sales mastery class or you're selling them another service. So they're starting to pay you more, but they're getting more too. That makes sense. No, it does. It does. Yeah. Um, another thing you've talked about a lot that I still don't have a good grasp on, but um, I understand the accountability aspect. You talked about, hey, every every major pillar of your business should have someone that it, that's accountable for that pillar. So you've got the visionary integrator, you've got ops, you've got sales and marketing, like and all these different things, finances. Um, 
Can you explain that a little, like explain that to me, like why that's so crucial and more about that system in general? I think it's e EOS. Yeah, EOS, Entrepreneurial, Entrepreneurial Operating yeah. System. Yeah. So um, within EOS, and it's written by Gina Wickman, he um, talks about what we call an accountability chart. It's different from an organizational chart because it doesn't have the typical external titles, yeah. no egos, right? It really is based on the premise that in any business, there are three main areas your sales and marketing. So you got to get it, acquire a client, then you've got to deliver, so operations, and then you've got to bill them, right? And all of the back systems that support an organization. So you've got those three boxes, so to say. And then you've got someone that kind of holds the glue together, which is the integrator. And sometimes that's the same person as the visionary. It depends on the size of the company, usually. So what I say to people, especially solopreneurs, your name is in every box, mm. right? And so I ask them, which box do you want to get out of first? If someone hates sales and marketing, they're going to go, I want out of that box. Okay, well, that's the first area you either hire for or outsource. <laughs> I thought you were going to, yeah, sorry. Um, your face, I was like, okay, she's got more, she's got more. She <laughs> um, I get that, I totally get that. Um, and I think just, Having and knowing who's accountable for it just helps so much. Can you speak a little bit about the the visionary integrator? Like I know that's like that's stereotypical entrepreneur, right? Like we have this big dream, like this is what we want to achieve. Like we're super like, yo, like this is the future, let's go do it. Let's rah rah rah. Like how how do they make sure that they don't get bogged down by the other things, that they don't get bogged down by the ops outside of outsourcing and things like that? Or um like for me specifically, like Izzy, I would say is an integrator, right? Mm -hmm. He's a glue between for everything, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm super focused. Okay, like this is where we want to go. I'm going to drive a lot of traffic. I'm going to handle these relationships. Let's go do it. Like how do other people make sure they don't get bogged down by the other, all the details and all the different moving parts? Well, that's the accountability of it, right? So the integrator is basically managing the managers in those boxes. And they have to be held accountable to manage the other people. The visionary and the integrator, it's a very interesting relationship because they're two different people. Mm. And there's a great book on that called Rocket Fuel, which talks about the relationship in the two. Basically, it says, you know, a visionary in a business is usually the founder and is very creative and has all these great ideas, maybe 20 before breakfast. And that integrator is that person's business partner that says, oh, that's bad. That's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. But that's a good one. So it kind of pokes holes in all the plethora of ideas that yeah. that visionary comes up with. And so it's a really good balance. They balance each other out. And so the visionary then can be thinking of creative ideas and, and managing the big relationships in the organization. So right, those big like client relationships. They would get bogged down if they're the same person, then if they're the visionary integrator, or maybe when they get to a certain point, they would yeah. get bogged down. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to be a full visionary when you have that integrator role, also. But that's unfortunately that's how most businesses start. Mm. Fifty percent of businesses out there, the visionary and the integrator are the same person. So it's it's a little tough inside there. Yeah. But 50% have them separated. So when you can finally grow to that, a visionary is going to want to hire an integrator and take that stuff off of their plate. Like Someone that. that can do it a lot better than them. And that's when a company really starts growing. Yeah. Breaks through that next level. That's interesting. 
And I'll definitely have to read those, both of those. Yeah, um, they're good books. How do, not even just entrepreneurs, how do people go about identifying their strengths, what they're good at, what are their communication styles, what are some good tools, resources, um, and ways to foster those skills and strengths? Mm. Well, reading is a great way to do that. Um, and I think asking people, getting feedback, whether it's your coach or your people. But what I like to do with my clients is do uh, put together what I call a four-quadrant chart, and it basically says, what are you really good at and what do you love doing? And, and put every task that you do in one of the quadrants. And the things that come out really love doing, really good at, you keep those. But those things that you really don't like and you're not very good at, those are the first things you outsource to. Mm. So it's really important to think about that. And what do you, because life is too short. You should be doing things that you're not, not only really good at, but that you love doing. So you want to come to work. I agree. So let's say I'm an, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. But let's say I, I'm, a, I'm just getting started, or maybe I've been around for a year, let's say. Um, my business is at, it's doing pretty well, but I want to take it to the next level. I want to make more money. What are some things that you would tell me? Okay, do this, do this, do this. I know you'd have to look at my business and everything like that, but broad, like what are some things that I can do today to start making more money? Yeah, well, I'd want to look at your financials. We need to figure out what you're going to spend more money in, to invest in. And if you want it to get bigger fast, obviously you got to get the sales engine going. Mm. So sales and marketing. What does that look like on the sales <clears throat> end? Well, usually the entrepreneur is the initial salesperson. And to be able to hire someone and take that off their plate is the way to go. It's the best way to do it. Um, but that salesperson, although their role is always a big part of that role is marketing, you want to make sure you're giving them the tools so that they can do their job. Yeah. Um, and investing in whatever it might be, HubSpot or um, some other marketing organization to help just drive leads, right? So just both the marketing and the sales engine, and once you start ramping that up, then you have to start ramping up your operations, right? Yeah. And, and business is like, it's like a teeter-totter. It's never, it's usually never balanced. It's like you've got a lot of revenue, but operations is not doing so well, or you don't have much revenue and operations is doing well, and they're just sitting around twiddling their thumbs waiting for revenue to build. Yeah, It's just always, it's going to be one or the other, but that's kind of the exciting part of business. I agree. There's always a problem, which is, it sucks, <laughs> but it's, it's exciting. Yeah. I do want to go back to the sales piece because I think, and I think I know a lot of entrepreneurs, especially starting out, it's like, okay, I got to get sales. I got to get sales. I got to make money. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. And they're just, they're doing whatever works and maybe they're leaning into whatever works, but there's no system in place. Mm -hmm. Like, how do, how do I know how many like leads I need in the pipeline? Like, what should I be focused on? Like, how, how do I build it out? So it's a system and it's yeah. not, um, if I'm that, that entrepreneur that's just getting started or I've been around, I want to take my business to the next level. Like, how do I get a system in place? Right. So, so I know. Yeah. There's so many aspects of that but what we start with is something called the five ways and I think I've shown you guys mm. that chart too and it's you look at the revenue you have and what your margin is and then figure out well how many customers do we have at what revenue uh, meaning not only revenue but how many what's your average sale and number of transactions and then that drives number of leads so it's it's a formula but it's a formula that we say it's 
it's like a car's chassis. Volkswagen and Audi are the same thing. Every business has five inputs to growing revenue, bottom line revenue. And those are the things you have to focus on. So it's going to be the leads, customers, number of transactions, average sale, and your margin. And you want to look at every one of those very carefully and yeah. see, what do we do? Can we increase them all 10%? Can we increase some of them 50%, some 10%? What really f- works for your business? And then you focus on that to drive that revenue and profit. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. And something that, like literally the reason, a reason why we decided to start looking at coaches is because one, we don't know what we don't know, but like I've, at least me personally, like I've had this, this fear around it or I don't even know if that's the right word. Like just things like that just terrify me because it's like, I don't understand any of that. I'm just going to lean in over here because I know it's working, but like that's so crucial and so valuable and just knowing, okay, this is what exactly I need in the pipeline. It's exactly what's happening. This is exactly where my dollars are going is so like just relieving. Right. It alleviates so much stress and I'm able to focus on those things that I am good at. So I like that you mentioned that. I like that you outlined those steps. Um, what would you say, what are you consuming right now? Like what are like, three to five books that you would say every entrepreneur, every person that wants to take their business or their brand to the next level, what should they read? Oh, well, any entrepreneur, any, any person starting out has to read The E-Myth. It's probably the number one business book out there. Really, really important. E-M-Y-T-H, E-Myth. It's, um, it's just a story of a baker and all the issues you go through starting a business mm-hmm. and some of the problems you have along the way and how they can be so frustrating. But at the end of the day, you know, she franchises the business. So it's a great story about, oh, my gosh, I see myself. You know, I see myself. This is awesome. Um, I mean, I read a business book a week. So I've got a whole list. But when we were talking about visualization and who you want to be, uh, Think and Grow Rich mm. by Napoleon Hill, I think is an amazing book to really say, you know, you have to visualize it and you have to really work on that piece of it. And it's how all of these very, very wealthy people agree those were some of the rules that they live by. So I think that's a great book. Um, I'm reading Essentialism right now. I like that one. Yeah, it's good. One of the things I like about it is uh, it talks about the Academy Awards, do you remember this piece of it? And that no one stays around to watch the the editing yeah, award, yeah. right? <laughs> because it's so boring, who cares? But that in reality, the editing award is usually signals who's going to win the Academy Award because that's such a crucial role. And then he said, um, so think about calling a, a CEO as the chief editor. Like, what are all the things that we're doing in this business that we don't have to do? Let's focus on the essential one. So I think that's a good book. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. I would agree. I'm reading um, Strategies of War right now. I'm reading E-Myth because um, you told me to. <laughs> make, make time, time make right? Time. Yeah. yeah. There's a couple I read. I've been obsessed with like Audible and just listening on triple speed. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I, I don't know why I love the physical. I love, love, love that. I yeah. can't read as fast, but I still read pretty fast, but... I dig that you mentioned that and that yeah. you're reading a book a week. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I think what determines hardcover or audible is if it's a reference book. 
Like when you think mm-hmm. of make time, I've done both. I've yeah. listened to it and I've bought it because you just really want to go back to those certain pages that are, okay, those are the five ideas that I'm going to use to make time. Think and Grow Rich, I did the same thing because yeah. there are some exercises in it. Um, but like the E-Meth is great audible book. Yeah, I've, yeah, I know Izzy struggles with, he'll listen to an audiobook and he can't retain it. But yeah. if he reads it, he can. Yeah. Why is that? It just depends on how you learn. Yeah. Some people learn, they're audible learners, some auditory learners, some are kin- kinesthetic, and some are visual. So it's kind of important to figure out what you are. It's called the VAC. Yeah. V-A-K. Never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Though. Yeah. It does make sense, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, if you could only do one thing to generate leads for your business, what would that one thing be? One thing. A really great referral system. Why? Um, because people that are referring you have experienced what you have to offer. And so they're like a testimonial. And people listen to people who have worked with someone and said, I've had a great experience, or these are the things that I've achieved. But it's not only your clients that can refer you, but it is strategic alliance partners. And they also see it over and over again, the people that you've worked with keep coming back. And so I think they're important too, because... If you're a good strategic alliance with, let's say, a bank, or for me, a bank or an accounting firm, to refer me helps them bring value to their clients also, especially if someone's like coming into a bank yeah. and their business isn't going where they want it to be. And so no, business like coach, that. a business coach, you need to hire a business coach. Yeah. Everyone does. Everyone does need a coach. Yeah. You've had yeah. them in our entire lives. Why yeah. not in business? Yeah. Um, I want to touch on one thing before I ask you the last question. You just mentioned it, strategic partners. Um, one, why are they so important? But two, how do you identify ones that are going to take your business or you personally towards your goals and take you to that next level? Well, typically the, what you want to look at in your business is someone that uh, a strategic partner for you might be someone that has um, some marketing component that they do for clients and now they need podcasting or they need LinkedIn videos and so they're going to refer them to you. So it's a service that someone provides right before you come into the picture, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Like I said, accounting firm or a bank, they might be meeting with a client, client needs help, they go to a business coach, right? I'm a business coach. I talk to people about sales and marketing and let's say someone's struggling with marketing then I connect them to a marketing person. So strategic alliances on both sides. Yeah. But it goes both ways. You, you've got to be able to refer them to. So you don't want a taker. That yeah. They just take, take, take. You want a really good balanced relationship. And you want to do something worthwhile for whoever is going to refer you. I love that. Like not just a Starbucks card. <laughs> also love Although that. Although that's not bad. Starbucks is all right. Yeah. But I'm, then, I'm a big fan of Rochambeau right there. Huh? I worked at that coffee shop for like two years before mm-hmm. I started my company. Or when I was launching my company, not this company. But yeah, I dig that. Last question. This is a Strange on Purpose show. We're misfits. So what about you? Goes against the grain. What about you? Makes you a misfit. Why are you and how are you strange on purpose? Hmm. Take your time. Take your time. 
why don't you tell me why am I strange and perfect? Why are you strange? I would yeah. say like I really love that like you just don't give a fuck, but you really <laughs> deeply do give a fuck. Like you, huh. I think like you care about the people that you work with, but so much so that you'll be blunt, you'll be honest, you'll be real, you'll be aggressive, assertive. And you'll tell me, okay, you suck. Fix it. Go. Like I, I love that. I don't know if that makes you weird and strange, but that's why I would say. Because it's rare. I think you're really on to something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that. Good, good, yeah. do it. I think it's about um, confidence yeah. and being driven. And um, yeah, I think once you reach 50, you can say, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Right? Yeah, it's pretty common out there. But, but I do feel that if someone's going to pay me, I owe it to them to get results. Yeah. And that's also my brand out there. So I really don't care if I'm nice. See, and I wish more people thought like that. Because a lot of, at least people that are around me now, young, starting a business, hey, you're paying me. Okay, cool. Money, go. And they're not focused on the results. They're not yeah. focused on taking this person to the next level. Like, I, I'm not cool with being the best. Like, I want to blow everybody else out of the water. Because, again, you're paying me. Like, we're partners to do yeah. this. Let's go. Yeah. So I wish more people thought like that. I think you made me think bigger in terms of what Good. you could do for me. Good. Remember? <laughs> you pushed me on it. Visionary. I'm like, yes. Love that. Well, I appreciate mm -hmm. you. Lastly, like, where can people find you? What should they be paying attention to? Where can they learn more? Well, they can find me on these. LinkedIn videos, LinkedIn. Um, I have an office above anthropology, which I'm very proud of, excited. It's a lot of fun. You've been there. Awesome office. Yeah. Much cleaner than ours. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we've got three dogs, though. Yes. So similar yes. to yours. We love that environment. Um, my website, I'm just rebranding a website. It'll be out July 1st. Mm. But right now they can find me, uh, Rebecca Heide from Action Coach. Um, and then it'll be something new and different, and, and I'm jazzed about it. I'm excited, too. We'll put all the information in the show notes, and I'm going to fist bump you because right. you're rad. And that's something I do know, and I don't know why, but I appreciate you.